Welcome to the Potter's House Salmon Arm Podcast. We are a Bible-believing church located in beautiful British Columbia, Canada. We are proudly part of the Christian Fellowship Ministries with 3,000 churches around the world. We are a church focused on world evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Here we will share recent sermons from PHSA Church and other sermons from throughout our fellowship. I am Pastor David Bickford, and I will be your host for this podcast. I thank you for listening today, and we hope these messages are a blessing to you and bring you closer to God. Hello, and welcome back to the Potter's House Salmon Arm Podcast. Um, today, I, I've got a, a message that we've we've heard before. It's actually was would have been the first uh, message that I put onto the podcast, it was entitled Core Values. And so I, I had ended up preaching this one a second time. I revamped it a little bit. And so that's that's what we're going to look at um, today. But I'll, I'll use this, this opportunity to really dive into, you know, my testimony a little bit deeper, hopefully, just to kind of give you an idea of where I came from, who I am, and, you know, what the purpose of this this whole podcast is and why, it re- why it's so important to me, you know, it, we don't we we hope to reach the world with the gospel message of Jesus Christ but really there's there's always a backstory to whatever we do and maybe I'll I'll be able to divert and ad lib a little bit for that as we go through this message so I did I did change this a little bit from the first time I preached it in in the church so there are some changes if you were to like compare the the original episode to this episode but not to begrudge the point it's something that is near and dear to my heart as a a Marine Corps veteran, a U.S. United States Marine Corps veteran, and having a couple brothers that are now serving in the Michigan National Guard, and it's you know the military is something that's that's very important to me. the the culture, the the family atmosphere. The I, I'd spent you know cl- about a decade exactly in the service to the United States government, uh, both in the United States Marine Corps, the United States Navy as civilian, and with the United States Air Force and the reserves. So it's it's very important to me. So I've been touched by just about every branch of the military. You know, my my both, I have two brothers that are in, like I said, the Michigan National Guard, the Army National Guard. So that's that's kind of why this particular message is important to me. Is is just the idea of having respect, having proper, you know, you know, honor, courage, and commitment to a calling higher than ourselves. And so we obviously we elevate that above. You know, whether it's a military, a country, a government, or anything earthly, because as Christians, we are all called to be, you know, citizens of heaven. We are called citizens of heaven. And so with that in mind, we should be living an honorable, courageous, and committed life to the kingdom of heaven more than anything here on earth. So with that, let's go ahead and, and jump in. And... Um, the text that we will use as a jumping off point for this message is, is John 5, 19 through 24. So if you have your Bibles, you're following along, you can go ahead and, and turn there and we'll we'll get to that verse of scripture here shortly. So when I was 14 years old, I read a book and this book, you know, set me on a path that affected all aspects of my life. It really, you know, changed my viewpoint um, just prior to this even I remember a friend of mine, you know, we had just moved to a new town in California. And so a friend of mine from the old town we lived in came to visit. And I remember there was this summer where, you know, I was being pretty lazy and and he came and he visited. And But I remember it got back to me word that he had said, 
that I was being pretty lazy. I didn't really want to do anything. And so that that really impacted me and in a kind of a negative way. I felt pretty, you know, bad about it. And so pretty soon afterwards, this book came to me when I was 14. And, and it and it really set me on a, a very different path. And so this book had a mammoth impact and influence on my life. It helped mold my my view of the world, you know, what was right, what was wrong. And it began this long, long process of self-revelation that has been with me ever since. And even to this day, you know, we're constantly having to look in the mirror and judge ourselves. And, and today, I, you know, hopefully, if you're a Christian, you're judging yourself against the word of God, not against your fellow man or, you know, anything earthly, but rather against what God has called you to be. But it's important that we do have that that in our lives, that ability to look at our actions, look at our thought life, look at our you know prayer life, look at everything that we're doing and really judged against the word of God. But we're, we're jumping ahead a little bit too quickly. So now you might be thinking that I'm obviously talking about the Bible, you might be thinking, oh, of course, you became a Christian at this young age, and, and that just dramatically changed your life, and you were perfect from that point forward. That, of course, would be a silly assumption, and you'd be dead wrong. At this point in my life, I was about as far from a relationship with God as you could be. In fact, I was a pretty angsty teenager. I wasn't particularly a good athlete. I was only a marginally above average student, and I also tended to lead towards laziness, as I kind of hinted at. And so I ended up in a group of kids that would have been the uncool group. Now, most of us were you know, more academically inclined than athletically inclined. But, and oddly enough, this group of kids, we ended up you know, being the core of, of a cross-country team at this school that had never been there before. So all the, all the people who couldn't make the football or the basketball team you know, would end up coming onto the cross-country team because it was brand new and there wasn't really a, uh, um, you know, a clique of kids that were involved with it yet. Anyway, so if this book that I was that changed my life wasn't the Bible, then what was this book? You know, what what could have been such a dramatic shift in one's life? Well, for me, this book was entitled Marine Sniper 93 Confirmed Kills. And it tells the exciting true story of Sergeant Carlos Hathcock, a legendary Marine sniper in the Vietnam War. And part of the heading of this book or the description of this book is he is silent and invisible. He lies in one position for days, barely twitching a muscle, able to control his heartbeat and breathing. His record has never been matched. 93 confirmed kills. This is the story of Sergeant Carlos Hathcock, a Marine sniper, a legend of military lore. Now, since the writing of this book, because this book is a Vietnam era book, there are others who can, you know, say that they can claim matching 93 confirmed kills. We're not going to get into that. Who cares? That's not the point of this message. This message is not even about his capability as a Marine sniper, a sniper or the fact that, you know, he was a Marine at all. It, it comes to a different point of the message. You know, when we look at this book about a sniper, you're, you're going to ask yourself, why? What does this have to do with Jesus? What does this have to do with the cross? What does this have to do with God? Why did this book have like this impact on my life? So as we, you know, jump into our text, you know, we'll we'll be able to dig into the purpose of this message, but then also we'll be able to circle back around to this tale of this book from when I was a child. So in John 5, 19 through 24, it says, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, 
but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all himself or all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. For the father judges no one, but he has given all judgment to the son and that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come in judgment, but has passed from death to life. So as we look at the tale of Gunnery Sergeant Carlos Hathcock, we want to really hone in on the ideas of having, you know, core values within yourself. And we'll reference back to like the Marine Corps with this, because in the Marine Corps, we have, you know, you know, set standardized core values that are based off of honor, courage, and commitment. So Gunner, Gunnery Sergeant Carlos Hathcock's story resonated with me immediately when I read it. Here was a young man with few options in his life. He was from a poor family from the South. He even helped put food on his table, you know, by, by having to shoot like squirrels or whatever he could find. Uh, what other little critters were running around in the South there that he could shoot in Arkansas and Mississippi? It wasn't his, his hard life that spoke to me so much. It wasn't the valor of his battlefield accomplishments, which were there, there were many. The real story of Carlos Hathcock is that even though he was the he mostly served alone as a sniper, he also served his brother. So you have to you have to conceptualize this because we oftentimes think of snipers today as just long distance shooting or shooters, whether it's on a law enforcement or whether it's in a unit like the Navy SEALs. Or, you know, it's part of a, a battalion or, or, you know, it's a part of a larger group. So you have designated marksmen. That's that stuff's all good. Those those guys all have skills. But Marine snipers were typically sent out either alone or in a team of two, a sniper and a scout. And they would spend most of their time not moving, sitting very quietly in the field, in the bush, serving out their mission. So. It's important to understand this isolation can cause some people to turn very inward and to and to lose themselves in the mission. I've had friends, you know, that you know, luckily have gotten saved. I've had friends though that were were part of snipe the sniper, you know, group in the Marine Corps. And one of those guys who did luckily became, you know, quite on fire for God. And he he's he's been miraculously healed and set free from from what he went through during his time of service in the Marine Corps. But I remember hearing stories from him and about him where when he first came back and got saved, people would have to wake him up with like a stick because he would just go right into, you know, kill mode. If, if someone woke him up because of his time in the service, he was so worn out because he had spent 12 years deployed primarily overseas in the function of being a Marine sniper. So what resonated with me about Carlos Hathcock was this, this commitment to service of others, despite, you know, the role that he was playing in the military. So on September 16th, 1969, Hathcock's career as a sniper came to a sudden end along Highway 1. North of Landing Z Zone, Baldy, when an LVTP, which is just a troop carrier's riding in, struck an anti-tank mine. This anti-tank mine blew the truck, flipped it, it, it was destroyed. Hathcock pulled seven Marines from the flame-engulfed vehicle 
suffering severe burns, some of them third degree burns to his face, arms, legs before someone else pulled him away from the wreckage and placed him in the water because he was unaware of how badly he had been burned. While recovering, Hathcock received a Purple Heart nearly 30 years later, they up, they upgraded him. They gave him a Silver Star as well for his service in action. So Gunner Sergeant Carlos Hathcock and the seven Marines he pulled from the vehicle were evacuated by helicopter to the USS or to the hospital ship USS Repose. And then later on, they came to Tokyo and eventually made their way back to the States where Gunner, Car Gunner Sergeant Carlos Hathcock spent time at the Brook Army Medical Center in San Antonio in their burn unit. I remember reading the details of his experience in the burn unit. If you haven't heard about what happens in the burn unit, oftentimes burn units and hospitals are put at the very bottom level basement of the hospital so that it's surrounded by several levels of concrete between the burn unit and the rest of the hospital. If you can't imagine why they would do this separation, it's it's simple. The, the, being burned is one of the most painful experiences that anybody can have. But the way that they treat burn victims oftentimes is they have to scrape away the dead flesh off of the body. And so they keep the the people who are being treated for the burn from the burns like this in the basement so that people can't hear them screaming. Because the excruciating pain that they go through, there isn't really a, an effective way, especially at this time, to medicate or to uh, anesthetize them in order to, you know, to do this treatment. So they would have to scrape away the dead skin. And this wasn't something you could just do once or twice because oftentimes, you know, the skin that might have been alive would die after the first treatment or second treatment. So they would they would do this over and over again. It was while I was reading this book and, and this part of the book that I knew I, I wanted to become a Marine. Now, you're probably thinking that's insanity, and you're probably a little right. It, you know, Most of us who served in the Marine Corps are a little bit you know, off kilter, and that's why I thank God for, for being saved, you know, getting saved early in my time in the Marine Corps. But the reality is, is that that is what I, I, I came away with from reading this book, was this, this, this man's bravery, his courage. His ability to pull himself together after the most horrible of defeats in some ways and to come back and be of service to his brothers again. It was absolutely amazing. The sacrifice, the life of sacrifice that was poignantly depicted in, the, in this book challenged me to my very being. Now, I'm going to preach about the core values from this launching point. In the Marine Corps, like if you go to even their website, they they show, they say this, the values born from our nation's ideals. So this is the way the Marine Corps identifies their, their core values. Marines live by a set of enduring core values that form the bedrock of our character. These values guide our actions and bolster our resolve. Honor, courage, and commitment leads us to victory over the physical, mental, and moral battles faced during combat or while serving in our communities on behalf of our nation. These are the values that ensure every fight in the current and past battles support our common moral cause. And I can't emphasize this enough. This message is not a recruiting commercial for the military or life of the, in the military at all. It's definitely not a, a call to go join and sign up in the Marine Corps. It's a very challenging thing to be in the Marines and to keep your faith in the Marine Corps because it is you, where you're still part of the world and you're seeing some of the worst stuff 
possible to humanity. The reality is, is that when we refuse to submit to the Lord, we will always look to mankind for leadership and worth. The children of Israel did this when they cried out for an earthly king. And we often see it today when people call out for political leaders that are going to lead them to the promised land. So what I'm really trying to express this morning is that we have to honor, we have we have the honor of serving a living God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we should find courage in our Lord. And when we abide in him, we can find the strength to remain committed to his message. At this point in my life, I was not, I was not saved and I was not serving the Lord. So I was doing exactly what I said. I was clinging to something bigger than myself, something tangible that I could hold to that I thought would make me a better person. And, you know, not to, not to jump ahead too far, but the reality is I did become a Marine and I, I'm proud to have served in the Marine Corps, but I almost didn't make it. There was a time before I got saved where I was destroying what I'd worked so hard for, and I'll get to this later, but I want to emphasize this point. You are not going to be saved by the things of this world. You can only be saved by Jesus Christ. We will look for things in the world to save us or to give us purpose, but they're all for naught. It is not the things of the world that will, that will set you free from a life of sin or a life of struggle. You will only be able to find freedom and joy in service to the Lord. And I do believe that wholeheartedly. People will try to argue with it, but until you've come into a direct personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it is nearly impossible for you to understand. It is only by the Holy Spirit that you could possibly understand. Because it doesn't make on its face logical sense. But when you come to a place of, of utter destitute, you know, utter destituteness in your life, and then Jesus meets you there and lifts you out of it, then you have something worth serving. You have something worth honoring, something worth showing commitment and courage to. And that's Jesus Christ, and that's our Lord. So as I go forward, I want to get to my first point, which is honor. Honor guides in the Marine Corps are, you know, honor guides Marines to exemplify the ultimate and ethical and moral behavior. The Marine Corps believes that you should never lie, never cheat, or steal. You should abide by an uncompromising code of integrity, respecting human dignity and respect for others. Honor compels Marines to act responsibly and to fulfill their obligations and to hold our hold themselves and others accountable for every action. So let's take a look at how you could, you know, how you define honor. This that was the the you know, the Marine Corps definition of honor, but other you know the you know dictionary definition is that honesty you know is honesty, fairness, or integrity in one's beliefs and actions, a source of credit or distinction, high respect, merit or rank. Some other words that can be used you know similarly to honor is dignity, faith, prestige, trust. You show honor to the things that you have faith in. You show dignity to the things you have you have faith in you put your trust in the things that you have faith in you honor it the opposite of course would be disregard neglect ignorance now let's challenge our thought process here ignorance can be easily explained it's the idea of not knowing right but neglect 
is something that we all deal with as Christians. Are we neglecting our soul? Are we neglecting what we were sent to, on earth to do, to be you know, stewards of the gospel, to be you know, representatives of the kingdom of heaven? Are we neglecting our own spiritual life? Are we neglecting our prayer, our prayer time, reading the word, washing ourselves in the word? Are we neglecting the, the, the gathering of the brethren, going to church? And you don't just go to church to hear the preaching. Of course, the preaching is extremely important, if not one of the most important parts of going to church. But it's the fellowship of the brethren. It's the idea of iron sharpening iron and everybody else, you know, working together to be what they can, everything they can be for the Lord. In Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. With the scripture, we could put honor in a more biblical context. And when we look back on the text in John 5, 22 through 23, we can see the importance of honor with the word of Jesus Christ. For the father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son, just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. This is kind of a, a startling idea that, you know, people who will say, well, they, they, they believe in the general idea of the Bible, but they don't, you know, there are certain, you know, sects or different religions out there that minimize the importance of Jesus Christ. And so that's an important thing to, to understand is that you need to put Jesus first. You need to give him as much honor as you're giving the Father. But as we go back to that Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, it's also important to understand. I, I left in verse 4 for myself. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. I love that that whole verse or section of scripture, one through four, chapter six, verse you know, one through four, Ephesians. But I find it very interesting that he he puts it in there for fathers. Do not provoke your children to anger, because oftentimes as fathers, we like to do that. We think it's just toughening up our kids. And there is a difference between, you know, raising our children and bringing them up in discipline, as it says, in instruction of the Lord. And there's another thing about antagonizing them. So as we go back to the tale of Gunner Sergeant Carlos Hathcock, I moved to enlist in the Marine Corps. I had to wait a number of years before being able to join. In fact, I tried to join at 16. They said, come back a year later. My dad, during that period of time, tried to talk me into joining the Air Force. And so I tried to go to the Air Force. But, you know, you know lo and behold, the Air Force recruiting office was closed the day that I tried to go join them. And so, bam, now I am right back where I wanted to be, which was with the Marine Corps. And you know what? My dad won out anyway, because in the Marine Corps, they ended up getting me a trade working on an aircraft. And my dad had worked in aviation, you know, for for decades already. So we kind of got the best of both worlds. I ended up getting to be a Marine and I ended up getting to work in aviation for a number of years. Nevertheless, I, I was remain I I. I remained focused on this idea of service. So I was able to enlist at 17, but you're not actually able to go to boot camp in the Marine Corps after, until you have a high school diploma. And I had to wait till finishing, you know, finishing my, my last year of high school before I went. And so they call that the delayed entry program. And so I worked with, you know, my recruiter and Marines 
to try to be in shape and be ready, you know, mentally and physically for boot camp. But it wasn't until I was a Marine that I came to fully understand that honor that I was searching for was not in the Marines at all. It was this relationship that I alluded to earlier with Jesus Christ. But before I could be saved, I still had some hard lessons to learn. My my first, you know, little bit in the Marine Corps and even in the delayed entry program, I was drunk and angry. I was an angry young man, but I was focused on being a Marine. So I was able to push aside some of my angst, some of my anger, and I was able to make it through basic training and make it through all my training, which I had quite a bit of because of the trade I was in. Made it through boot camp, made it through, you know, combat training or Marine combat training, MCT, made it through water survival school, which is like NACUS. It's a Naval Air Crew uh, candidate course. And uh, I made it through SEER school, survival evasion resistance escape school. That's where they beat you up and treat you like a POW. I made it through my technical schools, both aviation, like my mechanic school as an, as, as an aircraft mechanic and my flight school, which was being a flight engineer flying on board and crew. I did all this. I made it into the fleet, but then I was let down. I had recognized that I, I was missing something important. I, don't, I didn't know what it was at that point, but I, I understood there was something big missing in my life, and it was destroying me. So in order to be truly honorable, you know, I had to recognize, I had to come to a place to recognize and give honor to the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. In 1 Peter 2.17, it says, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So let's take a look at the next step of, or the next core value and see what else we can learn. And the next one is courage. Courage is the mental, moral, physical strength ingrained in Marines. It carries us through the challenges of combat and aids in overcoming fear. It is the inner strength that enables us to do what is right, to adhere to a higher standard of personal conduct and make tough decisions under stress and pressure. In Psalm 27, 14, it says, wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This is repeated again in Psalm 31, 24. So what is courage then? The quality of mind or spirit that enables a person to face difficulty? Something that helps you to face danger and pain and to do it to do so without fear or, or to do so with bravery. Some other words that could be used, obviously, for courage are audacity, bravery, determination, gallantry, or one of my personal favorites is grit. Obviously, the, the opposites of that can be fear, weakness, cowardice. These are all things that we think of when we think of either, you know, the idea of, of courage or we think of those who lack courage. In Acts 23, 11, it says, the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, take courage for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem. So now you must testify also in Rome. Think of this, that you've got Paul, who used to be Saul, used to be persecutor of the church, of the Christians. He has this miraculous experience in meeting Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. He gets baptized immediately and it starts to preach immediately. Now you fast forward, he's done all these amazing things in his missionary journeys. And now he's back in Jerusalem and he's, he's fi he finds himself in bondage again. 
But this time he's in bondage, is not of the law. He's not in bondage of, of his life as Saul. He's in bondage because he's being arrested for being a Christian and one of those that he persecuted. So now he's able to testify to the leaders in Jerusalem about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's told, take courage, because just as you just did this really difficult thing, now you must do an even more difficult thing in Rome. And the Marine Corps courage and integrity were used together very often. It takes integrity to do the right thing, even when nobody is looking. It takes courage to do the right thing when everybody is looking, but it doesn't, but doesn't believe in doing the right thing. Right. So let me say that again. It says it takes courage to do the right thing when everyone is looking but doesn't believe in doing the right thing. This is our walk with Christ. We are challenged to live a life of courage, to live a life according to the word of God, even when it is not popular, even when it's really hard. This is what the Apostle Paul means when he says he is a slave to Christ. In Romans 1.1, it says this is a letter from Paul, a slave of Christ, Jesus chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. This takes courage, but we're, we're not left to find this courage on our own. Throughout the Bible, we are told to rely on God and Christ for our strength. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom, but with it, we can rely on the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to support us in all things. That is why we're called to put on the full armor of God. In Ephesians 6, 13 through 20, it says, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor. So you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For his shoes for shoes, put on the, the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in all your prayers for the believers everywhere and pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. So let's take another look at Gunner Sergeant Carlos Hathcock as we're coming to the end of this message. During his time in Vietnam, he had a there was a there was a point where he had a bounty placed on his head. And in, this is one of the more renowned stories. You might have heard a similar story, but this is actually attributed to Carlos Hathcock as as a true story that has been used in countless other movies and stories since. And I'm sure that it could have happened. Right. And I believe that it did happen for Carlos Hathcock. So he was being hunted by an enemy sniper. And during this this attack or this 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 fight between two snipers rounding each other up, going around in circles, trying to outwit the other and get a bead on the other. You know, Hathcock purposely took the bait of this rival sniper after this rival sniper had had uh, taken several shots at fellow Marines. And so Hathcock said, okay, I'm, I'm going to go out and deal with this. So he went out crawling on his stomach and Hathcock moved slowly until he, he finally saw a small shimmer of light. And he recognized that this glimmer was the enemy's scope. So Hathcock took a shot from 500 yards away. And even though rifle scopes are only typically a couple inches wide, he was able to, to, to beat in on this site, shoot, 
And it's a fluke. Nobody denies it's a fluke. But the bullet that Hathcock shot passed clean through and hit the enemy um, through his scope. So he shot the guy through the eye and he killed him. The courage that it took Gunnery Sergeant Carlos Hathcock to get up every day and perform at such a high level is, is nothing short of remarkable. And again, though, keep in mind that he did this not out of a desire for his own glory, but out of a desire to save the lives of his brother Marines. There's similar feats in, in the Old Testament with King David and his mighty men, right? But with, with Carlos Hathcock, you got to understand, like, this is, this is an exceptional guy. He was an exceptional guy uh, at the time, and and even with the job he had, the fact like the the stuff that he had to endure, seeing other fellow Marines being tortured, and him being able to keep his compassion, was was just something that overwhelmed me as a child. It's easy for us though to get caught up with the thought that courage is for the battlefield, but the reality is is the courage is for every day, every day. Witnessing and preaching the gospel to strangers takes a huge amount of courage. Serving Christ takes a huge amount of courage. But we can be strong and courageous as we throw our yoke upon the Lord. And as we can, we rapidly race towards the end days. We have to understand that it's not going to be easier to share the gospel. It's only going to be more challenging. But we have to take courage in the Lord and know that we can throw our yoke upon him and he will help us carry the load. This brings me to my final point, which is commitment. The Marine Corps defines commitment this way. Commitment is the spirit of determination and dedication found in Marines. It's the highest order of discipline for individuals and units. It is the ingredient that enables constant dedication to the Corps and country. It inspires the unrelenting determination to achieve victory in every endeavor. The other ways you can define, define, um, Commitment or is, is a pledge or a promise, an obligation, dedication, or allegiance. And then if you wanted to make, you know, use similar words, it would be engagement. You know, obviously, if two people are going to get married and they, they, they get engaged, right? So they are making a, a commitment to the fact that they're going to be married. I, and, and here's an aside. This is just something totally off the top of my head. I saw this really cool thing because in Christian marriage and Jewish marriage, any any you know, marriage that puts God first. There's an interesting idea that you can, you can conceptualize. You think of it as a triangle, an isosceles triangle, meaning every side is the same length, right? And uh, pretty sure that's right. My geometry is old. So if I'm wrong, you can, you can blast me in comments and emails and everything else. So anyway, you have, you have a, um, a triangle with all the sides being the same length. And on one side, you have the husband, the other side, you have the wife on the bottom. And then you have God at the pinnacle at the top. And so the closer the husband and wife are to God, the closer they are together in relationship, the more committed they are together. But the further away they are from God, the further away they are from each other. And it's a beautiful picture of that idea of engagement as you come together in marriage. You're coming together in Christ. And so in a Christian marriage, there's always three individuals. There's always God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Trinity. And then you have the husband and wife. And the closer you remain to God, the better your marriage will be sustained. And I thought that was a really interesting thing that I saw recently. And uh, so it, it kind of fits in here with the idea of commitment. So it's it's just a free one I'm throwing in. 
Because in that situation, in all these situations, if you're committed to something, you're going to be dedicated to it. You're giving a guarantee. You're giving a pledge. I'll go back to the uh, the marriage idea here. You're you're guaranteeing to to love and to hold till death do you part. You're pledging your your love, your undying love. You're you're exchanging rings. Right? There's a promise. There's a responsibility. And so when we look at our relationship with Jesus Christ, we need to be committed as well. Just like in the Marine Corps, they expect you to be committed to the core and to the country. They they used to say, you know, God country core. That was the way that you were supposed to, you know, give a hierarchy of your commitment, even in the Marine Corps. So obviously, like if you're going to do the opposite of being committed, you're going to create a break. You're going to create a breach in the agreement or a refusal or a denial. And we don't want to do that with our soul. We don't want to do that with our relationship with Jesus Christ. In Psalm 105, 8, it says, he remembers his covenant forever, the word that he had commanded for a thousand generations. God does not forget his commitment to us. He sent his son to die for us, which was proof of his commitment to, to bridge the gap, to do something, to cover the sin of Adam and all of our sins so that we could enter back into direct relationship with him, the father. At the root of commitment is discipline, though. We can see in our text that discipline is necessary to grow in all of these core values. It is through being disciplined and growing in self-discipline that you can grow in honor by honoring the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You can grow in courage to stand and preach the good news that you have received. The truth of salvation in Christ, is in, in Christ Jesus. That is what we're, we're, we're always talking about, is that you are saved by grace in Christ Jesus. By giving honor, we find courage, and that will solidify our commitment to Christ. It is in this committed place that we continue to grow in honor, and the cycle starts again and again and again. These values become embedded into who, who you are, who we are, but it always starts with Jesus Christ. As we saw in our text, the authority rests with the Son. Our text, John 5, 19, chapter 5, 19 through 24. Everything was given to the Son so that we would honor him as we do the Father, right? That's the, the core of the message, is we show honor to the Father by giving honor to the Son. We do it with courage, despite the world being against the Father and the Son. And we remain committed to him for the even unto death. Because we know that even unto death, we will not have to taste the second death, the death of the soul. So just as a young Marine enters into service, lacking many of these values, but they're built over time. But eventually, the idea is, is that they will become involuntary. They're ingrained in your, they become your character. Now, I can't tell you that you're going to be able to ingrain it in your character without Christ. I know for myself that living in the Marine Corps, I was far from those ideals. And it wasn't until I gave my life to Christ that I was challenged in a, in a way that I started making changes. We have to rely on Christ. We have to constantly rely on Christ so that these, these you know, values become second nature and reflexive. Gutter Sergeant Carlos Hathcock was blown up in an armored personnel carrier. And while literally on fire, he climbed back into this burning wreckage to save his fellow Marines. He didn't stop until forced to stop. 
He suffered severe burns. He sacrificed his body. He sacrificed his career. He sacrificed a lot. But this self-sacrifice more than anything else is what called me to serve. Who sacrifices themselves for others like this? He did. He didn't know these men. He was on his way back to Vietnam for his second voluntary tour to Vietnam. And he was just driving along with these guys. They weren't snipers. They weren't part of his unit. Again, he worked primarily alone and he had no ties to these men other than their bondage of service to the core. But we have something far better than this. Christ died for all of us in an act of self-sacrifice because you are worth it. You're worth it. And through the sacrifice, you too can grow in honor, courage, and commitment to his cause because he already sees your worth. He already sees your value in the kingdom of heaven. Everybody's a sinner. But he calls us and says to turn from our sin and accept him as our, as our Lord and Savior. That is what led me to get saved. And if some dirty crayon-eating drunk Marine can get saved, then I know that you can too. So with that, as we close, if I could have every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're listening to this, if you're obviously driving, keep your hands on the wheel, eyes open, and don't blame me for hitting a pothole. But I want to take a moment to invite you. Take courage and honor God. Give your life to the Father. Accept Jesus as your Savior. If you want to do that, if this message resonated with you, you can do that by sign and signify that with an uplifted hand. I can't see it. This is a podcast. But God sees it. And if you mean it, then it, that matters. So just repeat after me a, a quick prayer. Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, and that he died for me on the cross. I repent of my sin, which means I turn from it. I turn from my sin, and I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. That simple prayer is a recognition of your sin, a turning away from your sin, accepting of a higher power, which is Jesus, and moving forward in the new grace that you have that only comes from the Father. So I welcome you to the family. And so as we close, the, the last thing is, is, what do you do next? Well, I recommend, you know, get a Bible. You can download, there's tons of apps out there, get a Good translation. I like the ESV, the NIV, the you know King James, the New King James. There's quite a few. And read the Word. If you're new to the Christianity, you know start with the New Testament, with the Gospels, and the and Psalms. Or if you tend to be a cynic, you could start in Ecclesiastes. It's a good one for cynics. <laughs> but read the Word. Cry out to God in prayer. It doesn't have to be hard. Just tell him what you're feeling. Ask him for help. And then find a Bible-believing church to lock into. And to, you know, find brothers and sisters in Christ to serve Christ with. Now, with the Christian Fellowship Ministries, with the Potter's House, the Door, Victory Chapel, we have 3,500 plus churches globally. So if you're in Salmon Arm, please come and visit us. We're a, we're a new church 
or a baby plant. We come out of the Chilliwack Church, and we want to touch the world for God. But if you're not from around here, that's great. We have tons of churches. Reach out. Reach out either on Instagram or through Facebook or through our email, which will be in the show notes. And I'll find a, I'll help you find a church. It's not a problem. I want to thank you for listening. I can't wait for you to come back next time. And I just pray that God blesses you and that this message has impacted you. And please, you know, share, like, or like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. It helps us to grow. And, um, you know, God bless. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you for listening to the PHSA Potter's House Salmon Arm Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Potter's House underscore Salmon Arm to keep up to date on what we are doing. Join the conversation and discover how Jesus Christ can revolutionize your life.